Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Wildbo's most spooky work five years on. Teleconferencing in is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are back to talk about Breach 3.4. Um, yeah. We're still, in the, we're still in the house. There's a crazy ritual spell going on and we got no time skips. Blake's just still right as fucked as he was when we left 3.3. Yeah, these two chapters definitely feel like parts one and two of of the same sort of scene, I guess. Mm. <clears throat> but we, you know, we opened the chapter with the steady talk, talk, talk of the diagram and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but like it, it just immediately sets this time pressure that carries out throughout the whole chapter. Like this is such a tense chapter just because it, like Blake never has more than a few seconds till shit's going to hit the fan next. Yeah. Um you know, last chapter really was all about ramping up the intensity, and this chapter <laughs> gives us that talk, talk, talk off the bat to really get us back into the uh, into that same feeling. Yeah, um, time has run out. Uh, so Blake starts kind of panicking, um, still disguised as a as a young Bahamian boy, as the spell keeps progressing. Um, he kind of desperately tries a few things. He annoys a an adult Bahame, who I think is the boy's parent, into like showing him the spell's little instruction manual, I guess, to uh to kind of appease him. Yeah. Um. I mean, this whole spell is scene is like creepy as fuck. Like everyone's chanting yeah. and they're saying a bunch of words, which, uh, according to some quick Google translating, are just the Arabic words for. You know, the roles they were told they had, like, crown and sword. Yeah, crown, um, sword, yeah. But it's just uh, it's just really creepy. Yeah. Um, and we get parts of what's going on because we see the pamphlet through Blake's eyes, but never enough to actually put it together. So it's very kind of mysterious. Um, but it, it feels real because one of the things that Blake does see is some street names of the streets around the house. Um, it's this really great way of, like, driving home, literally, that that things are like really connected and like <laughs> things are this isn't just a kind of abstract ritual this is something that's directly going to fuck with Blake right now yeah because we don't actually find out what the hell this thing is um yeah. like since it's Bahames and Duchamp's teaming up I I'm assuming it it's going to be some combo of either both or one of like time and connections and I don't even know what that looks like but it it's scary and we don't understand it. All we know is that it is going to be affecting the house, essentially, is what you can... Yep. Uh, or at least the area around the house. So it's just... We we don't actually figure out what it's doing. We just know that, yep, just in case you had any doubts, uh, this is going to be affecting Blake and Rose. Yep. <laughs> I, you pulled out a specific line that comes up in a little bit, which I like. Uh, Blake says, I didn't want to stretch my luck, not with this much on the line my well-being, the family, and then he kind of trails off. Yeah, he sort of stops the, the thought short, which, I mean, this stood out to me just because he, it, it almost seems like he's worrying about his family, which is not something he's ever done before. Like, apart from Molly and Paige specifically, he's never given two shits what happens to his <laughs> family as a whole. Yeah. Um, um... And so, obviously, we find out, we find out later that the glamour is, is affecting him. And, and so, you know, you, you could probably argue that maybe this is the, the six-year-old boy in him coming out. Um, mm. If I want to put my tinfoil back on, I could bring back my Rose is Merging with Blake theory and say it's her influence. But 
<laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't quite know why I think this line is here, but it definitely stood out to me. And, and uh, you know, this is another one I'm going to be keeping in mind as we go forward. I think it makes sense that it's our first sign of the uh, the personality bleed, as it were, of uh, this little boy that, that Blake is inhabiting. Um, inhabiting is not the right word. That he's uh, <laughs> being, I don't know. Um, Impostering? Is that, is that the yeah, right? Impostering. <laughs> Imposing? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a fun thread. Blake is kind of, as Blake becomes more and more panicked throughout the ritual, you really do get the sense he's he's acting more and more like a scared little boy, basically. Yeah, and in fact, on the second read through, I did notice that uh, in the first half of, or not the first half, but in the first chunk of the chapter, and especially in the end of the last one as well, Blake always mentions that he's acting like a little boy. Like you know, he's like, "Oh, I you know said this obnoxiously loud to irritate people," and uh, you know, like I'm trying to act like a little boy. <laughs> And then even a little bit before we get the reveal, he stops doing that and it's all just natural. And I guess, you know, that's your little clue that, you know, it's not that he's just stopped thinking about trying, it's that he's not having to. Yeah, he stops consciously, yeah, yeah, trying, exactly. Um, So the next thing he does is he, he basically tries to disrupt the ceremony a bit more. He kind of knocks one of the uh, one of the Bahame women into the circle to mess with the ceremony um it doesn't quite work she gets caught before she falls in people start throwing her and him dirty looks and he kind of backs away before everyone gets suspicious of him yeah well because it's another bit he sort of talks about how big and strong uh the Duchamp woman who who saves the Bahame <laughs> woman is and I wonder if this is another hint that he's seeing it through the lens of a six-year-old I mean I guess she could yeah. just be a um a you know noteworthily uh big and strong woman but like i'd like to think it's but because the he's word big like nobody calls people big except children, yeah exactly right? like, like i think it's a... probably more likely that this is because he's starting to think like a six-year-old a bit yeah um so blake runs back to his old classic move and calls the cops on laird um, <laughs> which is I, I didn't realize until this read through that this is just kind of his go to when he's freaking out, like, oh, I better call the cops. Which feels so weird when Laird is the chief of police and obviously didn't. In the way that Laird has dealt with the Molly stuff and how Laird kind of didn't even seem to be affected by the letter um, that was dropped off, it's it really seems like it, it's not a great strategy for Blake. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a counterintuitive strategy, like going after the chief, uh, the chief of police by using the police. Uh, but, you know, as we sort of see, he kind of goes two for two. Like, I think it's implied that yeah. Laird was, you know, sort of knocked off his axis a bit by the letter. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not, you know, yeah. too drastically, but it's clearly sort of hurt him a little bit. I think these are starting to add up. Um Yeah people's suspicions are getting harder and harder to kind of smooth over as Blake keeps scoring points, as it were. Um, Blake kind of is is off hiding for this 911 call, and after he finishes it, Rose kind of points out, Blake, you're not acting like a, like a little boy anymore. You're starting to kind of be a little boy. The glamour's starting to kind of infect you a bit with this reality-altering thing that makes you act more like a six-year-old boy. So you really need to change back soon. Yeah, and so not only does this like like add the cool little element uh, on that reread, but this ups the ante again because it's like he's sort of got the police coming, and so you're like, oh okay, like police are gonna come and that'll save him or something. 
and it's like now we've just got a different clock ticking because he's got his glamour clock is like the glamour is starting to corrode i guess or it's getting too strong but it's like you know this is just we've just immediately switched to a different timer yeah uh i also yeah. i just had to pull out this line where uh rose says hey you wanted a partnership this is your partner telling you to get out and blake just immediately responds i can't leave right away um, yeah which classic partnership the old classic the old classic <laughs> <laughs> good job blake us promising to pay attention and listen and run things by her and then just not actually doing it solid and i mean because essentially like we do see after this the police arrive and he spends the rest of the chapter just trying to get out so she was bang yeah. on the money he should have just gotten a head start yeah i don't know why he was sticking around to be honest uh, yeah but now we get into the part of the heist where blake is uh <laughs> Where it's uh, really riding the line between things can go really badly or can succeed, and it's it's mm. very tense up to the very end. Um, Blake is basically trying to get a lift out of the party with the mother of the little boy's cousin, whose name is Leanne. Yeah, as his glamour gets more and more damaged and falls apart more and more. Yeah, like he's deteriorating. He's he's starting not to be able to see well, and then you know he rubs that off by revealing his real eyes so it's like yeah oops you know it's all a problem <laughs> and um and, and i mean because he does this really cool trick like his auntie says oh i need to ask your mom and he's like i'll ask her and then he goes and he's like do you love me and she says yes and so then he can come back and just say oh she said yes um yeah like it's pretty well played and and i you know we've we sort of skimmed over how many of these cool little moments there have been in the in the whole like last two chapters like this whole infiltration we've gotten to see blake play the phrasing game yeah it's it's definitely been fun <laughs> yeah it's not worth calling every single one of them to attention this podcast because we'd be here all day but uh they're so fun just going through it and i feel like you know i i can't imagine i'm going to be sick of this a million words in it's so much fun yeah so something that escalates the tension even more is as he's trying to you know get a lift home uh leanne the little boy's cousin notices that something's not right and blake says Shh, stay quiet and i'll tell you later and then kind of gets annoyed at himself for making this promise that seems like a an arduous one to keep yeah i mean not really like he just has to take off his like when he doesn't have the glamour he can just be like it was me and then leave um i felt like that's all he's actually beholden to do um mm-hmm. but i think what's more interesting is then during this car ride, Leanne's mum is constantly scolding her for fibbing and making promises, <laughs> and, and you know, like sort of setting this tone of like, you know, Leanne is a she's roughly six as well, I think, um, yep. and she's you know, her mum's trying to drill into her, you know, good practitioner habits uh, early on, and it's funny because Leanne seems to be just about as good as Blake, and they're saying she's not ready yet, and she's like a little kid, so it's just yep. it's sort of a, a neat point of comparison, like as Blake is in between scolding himself for making promises uh we're seeing like a six-year-old keeping pace with him yeah it's an interesting point and it's one that can't you can't help but think like (laughs) blake is treating himself how these families treat their children to make them into practitioners which is obviously not something that's set up to be viewed by us in a good light Um, yeah one it also just shows that he's barely able to keep up with kids under 10 like you know (laughs) he's got the he's got the mental practitioner age of like a six-year-old yeah exactly he you know he's just not rehearsed and that that really shows when he's under pressure as as we see in this chapter yeah also there's an interesting line that comes out just before they hop in the car blake overhears some of the uh behames and duchamps talking 
and uh, one of them sort of says that, you know, he's won two points in a row, so another point in this sort of department, and he'll have earned three, which is obviously, you know, mm. we've, we've learned a lot about the rule of threes and how that makes it uh, way more important. Mm. But, like, I couldn't help but immediately think of Annabelle and Tromos from uh, the, the, you know, the Pages interlude, the yep. uh, woman and her familiar. Um, because, the, the nightmare steed. Yeah, because Tromos, like, traumatized Annabelle twice, but then she won the third time, and that meant she won overall, and now she's, like, lord of whatever city she's in. So, mm. it, to me, saying that Blake has two points... And, and, you know, if there's a third, it's more profound. I don't think that necessarily goes one way. Like, it's basically sort of saying whoever wins the next round wins the war. Mm. Um, like, it it doesn't necessarily... It just means whoever wins the next one gets a huge benefit from the rule of threes, regardless of who it is. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, he has scored two points. And so I think the possibility is, oh, he could actually score a third point and then this will get really bad. Mm. But it ups the tension for Blake as well. If he fucks up the third yeah. one, then then Lade gets the huge advantage. <laughs> and, and I mean, yeah. c- keeping in mind, he hasn't permanently stopped this ritual. There's nothing to stop them all meeting up in, in 12 hours and doing it again. Um, yeah, I think they even say they'll meet back up in a week and do it again or something. Yeah, which is like, wh- why even wait a week? Like, they could do it in a day, <laughs> you know? Um, like, mm. he's not, he, you know, he hasn't stopped anything. He's delayed it at best. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he has bought himself some time. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so they Blake and Leanne and Leanne's mother get back to Leanne's house and Blake kind of excuses himself to run to the bathroom <laughs> and basically just starts tearing away his glamour, transforming back into his tired, miserable self. Yeah, because, of course, he gets the glamour off and he, he says he looks even worse than he did when he put it on. And um, when he put yeah. it on two chapters ago, he was already looking pretty bad. So like, Yeah, he was, like, fading out of reality. So Yeah, yeah Blake needs a rest. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Although apparently he had 24 hours recently and it didn't help that much. So I think what he needs more than anything else is, like, a domain or a familiar to pump him full of some good, some good power some juice. juice. Yeah. But I also, I just, I think he's just skipping over the tenseness of this car ride. Um, mm. where he starts changing back. Like, I think he says that, like, <laughs> as he gets out of the car, like, one of his legs is two inches shorter than the other, and they're both two inches longer than they were when he got in. So he's got, pan- <laughs> he's got pants that are going, like, you know, halfway down his shins. Um, yep. it's, and, and, you know, Leanne just keeps asking him, like, are you all right? And he's too afraid to talk because he thinks his, his voice might have changed back. His voice will have changed back, yeah. It's um, hilarious. And Blake knows that Leanne is a practitioner that you know outclasses him so <laughs> he's not out of the frying pan he's gone from being surrounded by you know 12 practitioners to one but there's still enough to take him in his current state oh yeah definitely it it doesn't feel like he's safe yet he's you know on the way there but he's certainly still in the danger zone yeah so blake has kind of transformed back into his faded body <laughs> <laughs> to his battered self um and kind of has an opportunity to sneak out of the house. But before he does so, he kind of vindictively lets Dick Swizzle off the chain a bit to destroy uh, the library that they have here. Yeah, Blake instructs Dick Swizzle not to hurt anybody, but to ruin things as many as he, as much as he can. Yeah. Um, so first of all, he, he leaves dragging his, like, <laughs> exoskeleton old suit. Like, oh, it's more like a snakeskin uh yeah. glamour chunks with him which i yeah like hunks of skin 
I don't really get why he's doing that, but it's pretty badass, so I'll I'll let it slide. Um, Maybe there's some way to, like, re-melt that skin down <laughs> back into glamour juice or something. Yeah, I mean, I guess he learned his lesson from when he flushed the fairy ink down the uh, drain last time, and, you know, he knows so little, he may as well hoard stuff in case it's useful yeah. later. Um, but, yeah, going back to the dick swizzling, um, I, don't, I don't really... I think I'm on Rose's side with this one. I don't really think this is necessary or, like, worth it. Um, mm. I think the word vindictive that he used before is fairly on point. Like, uh, he yeah. makes he makes a, an attempt at a case for why it won't be bad karma. He's like, oh, well, you know, they just tried to attack my house, so I'm yeah. attacking their house, but not them. And, uh, I mean, I don't know enough about karma to know if that'll hold up. But either way, you know, <laughs> this feels like one of those things that's kind of proving lead right a little bit. Wait, these two were just kind of nice to him. I mean, obviously they thought he, he was someone else, but, mm. um, you, you know, he's essentially, I see this as the equivalent of attacking civilians, I guess. Like, they weren't actively involved in much. Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they were involved with the ritual. I think Blake, from, I, I get what you're saying, but I think from Blake's perspective, he, tonight has kind of been a failure, right? Like, yes, he delayed the ritual. He didn't really learn anything about it. He didn't really find anything out that he can use all he did was buy himself a bit of time yeah it feels more like a move that's just designed to get a win not a good win yeah Um, exactly i think he just wants to he wants to say oh at least i did x at least i had something yeah yeah so i mean i guess we'll see and i mean i wouldn't say he got no information like you know presumably you know after reading the tarot card thing we went and read up on those presumably he's gonna do the same sort of stuff um yeah I mean, I true, I would, true. but uh, yeah, like you know, and maybe he can do some reading up to try and decipher what this spell was. But you're right; he's definitely it wasn't a solid win. He's he's still on the back foot. Yeah, dragging off his hunks of skin, he walks off into the <laughs> night. I guess, and that's the end of breach three point four. Yeah. Um. So Blake makes Blake chides himself this chapter for making a few promises that he really doesn't need to make. Yeah. Um, he he kind of has done this a fair amount of times. In fact, Rose has kind of chided him for making promises that he doesn't keep before as well. <laughs> and we wanted to kind of go back through some of the uh some of the past chapters and take a look at some of these promises that Blake was making and seeing which ones he can or even has kept so far. Yeah, and so we're keeping this in a spreadsheet um and so is the plan to try and keep this up to date. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, we'll probably forget some, but if anyone calls out any fun promises that they think we should keep track of, we can pop them on this spreadsheet. Yeah, um, sounds good. I want to I want to call out some of the ones that are my favourite so far. Uh, sure, ones that we can keep in mind. Um, so I've I've only started tracking them from after uh, Blake and Rose awakened. Obviously well, that's they all made that matters. Some, yeah, I mean, like for example, they made a, a little deal with Patrick before they awakened, but. Uh, I don't know. Do they need to hold themselves to it? Probably. I mean, will they? Pa- I don't know. Hedrick we'll implied <laughs> that if they didn't, uh, there'd be trouble. I feel like that's one I would honor, but uh, you know, in, in, <laughs> yeah. in general, just just uh, throw away throw away statements and promises. I, I wouldn't really say need yeah. to be held to. <laughs> I guess if uh, if they break that promise with Patrick, the karma's not going to be their concern. Um, yeah. Exactly. So let's start with some of the like deals with a capital D that Blake has made. Um, so he obviously made those two deals at the council meeting. He said, if you approach me and offer a ceasefire, you know, I'll, I won't attack you with my demon. 
And if you tell me who killed Molly, I will protect you. I mean, I won't, even if you attack me, I won't kill you. <laughs> so, so far we haven't really seen anybody jump at those deals. Laird revealed who had killed Molly, but expressly didn't <laughs> want to take the deal, which is fun. <laughs> yeah, I still love that for just a fuck you move. Uh, it was great. Yeah, it was such a good, <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of more official deals, the only real other official deal that Blake has made so far is the deals that he made with the Briar Girl. So yep. uh, if she helps him against Laird, he will verify whether it's possible to move the house. Um, if the Briar Girl gives him some tools or knowledge he can use, uh, he will give her a square of territory if and when he is able, which has already happened. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, he's promised to do that. Um, and the third deal was if they both cancel the threats that they make against each other, basically. <laughs> um, which, again, I, I mean, there aren't many that they've already kept, uh, but that one has been kept, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, so far, I guess you could always go back on something like that. Um, like, you know, she could tell Ed in the future. Yeah. Um, and he could, yeah. he could start, he could unrescind the threat. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I think my favorite that I'm really looking forward to seeing how well it's kept is his promise to keep June warm. Mm. I just want to see more of June again. I can't wait for Chekhov's hatchet to to come back into things a bit more. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's some other obviously big deals as well. Blake and Rose swearing to help each other. Um, yeah, I think I, I I like some of these small deals because I think they'll be kind of relevant. Um, like Blake promises to bind june's hatchet inside which he doesn't do um that's a failed deal already um there are a few times where blake promises that he'll take a break and eat some food <laughs> and i'm pretty sure that hasn't that didn't happen um right after uh like binding leonard he says i'll eat a few meals i'll, I'll eat a full meal in just a few minutes and that just doesn't um they just go off to hang out with Brygol instead so that's fun um and obviously there's, uh, if you keep it a secret, I'll show you later, said to Leanne in this very chapter. Um, mm. Those are the main kind of promises that we've seen Blake make. I'm interested to see what which of these he keeps. Like, keeping June warm, I think, is a great one to keep an eye on, because he is yeah. trying to do that. But that's like a, it's like a forever promise, right? Well, yeah, until he uses her all up, essentially. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, anyway. Just a fun little look at some of the promises that have been made. Uh, but that's going to bring us to the end of our discussion of Breach 3.4. Um, hey, if you want to follow us and get notified when our next episode comes out, you should check out our Twitter, which is MediaMDPodcast, at, at MediaMDPodcast, Twitter, the Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, also all of our episodes, yeah, all of our episodes and information on the show is available on our website, doofmedia.com. Also on doofmedia.com, you can check out some other great shows, like uh, We've Got Ward. Ward is going through some really intense things at the moment, and I'm I'm always, every time I read a new chapter of Ward, I'm very excited to hear how Scott and Matt will, will, uh, will talk about it. Yeah, I always learn, I always learn stuff that I missed uh, on my read-throughs for sure, and uh, so I think that's, you know, that should have just started uh, Arc 12 uh, as of this episode yeah. coming out. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, Elliot, that like... You know, we we reread the pack chapters a few times, and so now I feel like I'm getting a bit of a sense of like how I capture some of how how I catch some of these things now when I reread it. But I don't do that in Ward. I'm too excited. I just read it, and then 
I, I miss so many things. <laughs> um, so yeah, check out We've Got Ward. It's a great show. You can see it on uh, doofmedia.com. Yeah. Um, speaking of doof, we've also got the Patreon, uh, which is patreon.com slash doofmedia. And that, you know, you get a ton of stuff if you start donating to us there, like access to the, the doof cord, uh, which yep. is the doof discord server. But really, the, the main motivation you should need to do it is you're just going to help us continue to make cool shows, whether that's this show or We've Got Ward or any of the other great shows on the Diff Network. Um, yeah. We're able to do this because people like it and, and demonstrate their appreciation for it monetarily. <laughs> that's right. Um, so check out the, the Doof Media Patreon if you get a chance. While you're on Patreon, you should also check out Wildbo's Patreon because uh, he is responsible for making these stories. Without him, we wouldn't have done this podcast. So definitely check out patreon.com slash wildbo. And so I guess the only other way that we haven't mentioned that you could get in touch with us is in the show notes uh, under this episode. There will be a link to a discussion thread on Reddit where you can chat with everyone about the chapter and uh, you know whatever else is going on in the world of Pact. Yep. Now, when we have these bonus chapters like this one, those discussion threads don't usually stay up for very long before it's time for us to record another episode, but you'll have <laughs> a few days before Breach 3.5 comes out. Um, that'll be out on the 25th of February. So in the meantime, jump on to the, the uh, description of this episode and uh, chat to us over on Reddit. Yeah. Till then, we'll see you on Monday. Bye. Bye.